Blog Talk Radio. Okay, that was, that was not supposed to happen. Welcome, welcome to episode 59 of the Low Pass Podcast, presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who could de- definitely bat down Aaron Rodgers' Hail Mary pass, at least I think. I have a co-host with me, Andy Flint, so I'm almost good. No, you cannot bat down an Aaron Rodgers' Hail Mary pass, because I watched seven Lion defenders unable to do it last season. It's not possible. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Andy, that was a sneak peek. We're going to be watching the Pistons next week, just so you know, Detroit basketball. Uh, that was supposed to happen at the end of the show, but apparently it happened at the beginning. <laughs> so let's get into our show. Uh, while you were watching TNT, uh, we were watching the Denver Nuggets, so we're definitely going to get into our, our experience with the Nuggets, who are a very interesting team. Um, I think that's the best word to describe them personally. And then, obviously, we got to talk about the big trade, Kyle Corbett to the Cavs. Uh, what do we think about it? What do we think about people's reactions to it, which is more so what I want to talk about. And then... We're, we're going to kind of transition from that into what we what we would think is a, a great trade for, for any team, really, uh, like a missing piece for, for a certain team. So we're going to scope that out for, you know, put our GM hats on and, and see what we can come up with. But first, as I said, while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Denver Nuggets. Andy, what was your impression of the Denver Nuggets as, as you were watching them? Oh, they're god awful. I, there's nothing I like about that team at all. I, like I. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, they don't. They don't have anything to offer me. I, I couldn't. I mean, they're they're just. I just think they're putrid on so many levels. Um, and I I don't really see light at the end of the tunnel for them because they have a collection of goofy players. I thought Orlando's roster was weird, but I think this one's even odder. So it it definitely is a weird roster. So there's a lot. Like they have like. Six wings, like, you know, they got Gary Harris and Will Barton, who are kind of the same player, sort of, in a, in a way. But they seem to like Gary Harris more, even though most people are higher on Will Barton, so that doesn't make sense. Uh, but the other thing I noticed is that, so first of all, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I did not know who, who Nikola Jokic was. Uh, I thought Yusef Nurkic was, like, the, the big guy in, in Denver. I thought that was the dude. And then all of a sudden, like, Jokic was the dude, and I thought, like, Jokic was Nurkic and vice versa, and I could not tell them apart. You know, like, I didn't understand why, in my mind, I thought that Nurkic was supposed to be, like, this guy that they're building around. Then all of a sudden, this other dude was not named Nurkic, and he was, like, the guy that was basically they were running the entire offense through him. And here's my big problem with this team. Instead of having, like, a useful point guard or useful power forward, they have, like two pretty good centers because I still think that uh, Nurkic is a, is a good player. I think he's better than probably anybody they have to offer at the four. And then at the small forward, you kind of have Gallo and Chandler who both can play the power forward in today's NBA, but they're kind of, they, they do some similar things. I think they do different things on the court, but get kind of similar results a lot of times. And then you have Harris Barton and Jamal Murray too. Who's another guy. I kind of, I think if I like anybody on this team, it might be Jamal Murray. Um, but I just feel sure. like the spots where they have players, yeah, I mean, I like their shooting guards and I like their centers. And beyond that, I, I dislike this team completely. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of Gallo. Um, I think Wilson Chandler to me has turned into probably the most ultimate ball stopper of all time. Like this guy, he he's, is, he's a ball stopper he who's not good enough stopper. to be a ball stopper. But he's not even good <laughs> enough to do it is the worst part. And you then Kenneth Freed. 
they should have they should have traded Kenneth Freed two years ago uh, when his stock was high because it's done nothing but just plummet since then. So I, I feel like they they've got to free up some of these guys because it's got to be Harris. I think you could play a Harris and a Barton together because I think Will Barton's the kind of guy who brings nice energy off the bench. But then you have Jamal Murray right. buried in there, and I think that he's a guy who's kind of coming up a little bit too. And you know you touched on the the Nikola Jokic and Joseph uh, Nurkic combo there and you know I, I do like both of these guys I think it's uh, Jokic right now who's obviously the guy they're going with he has some ball handling skills uh, kind of a little bit reminds me of a guy like a Cousins or an Embiid on the break because he's not afraid to just take the ball and he's like well I'm the center but I'm going up and I'm going to put it behind my back and I'm going to try to cross the guy over and it does work right. and I think he's a pretty good passer but it, it's going to come a time where they've got to decide which of these guys they're going to develop and, I mean, they, they just don't have anybody on this team who I consider a guy who will ever be their number one. So they, they've got work to do. I mean, that's definitely a, a fair assessment. Um, the Jokic thing, the one guy he, he reminded me of more so was Marc Gasol. Um, I, I really I, – because he's not as athletic as, as say, an Embiid or, or a Cousins. Like, these guys can, can, like, blow by you by the you know off the dribble kind of stuff like that. Um, so I don't think he has that kind of going for him, but he really does have a, a great – Great vision, um, a, a big body, a huge body, um, you know, good rebounder, that kind of thing. And like you're saying, one, so I, I did hear you say about the, the power forward option. I have a question for you at the end of, of my assessment here. But the obvious, the obvious problem is that if you have Nurkic and Jokic, you can't play those guys together. And if you're, if you're going to decide, like, which one, and it seems like it's, it's Jokic because he, he does seem like the better player and the kind of the one that Mike Malone prefers, you got to trade Nurkic or, or find a home for him somewhere. Um, and there's already, you know, there's already word that they're trying to do that. They're shopping Nurkic around and it, it makes complete sense. It's the same thing, you know, like we talked about with the Orlando magic. It's, it's sort of like, if you can't play Vucevic and Ibaka together or whatever, like when they signed Biombo, it was like one of these guys has to go. It doesn't make sense to have all these guys on your team. Um, but the question I have for you is, you talk about their power forwards. Is Kenneth Fareed not good anymore? I, I, I don't I don't know because this guy used to be one of the up and coming, the future. You know, he was in like the rookie sophomore game, and people were talking like, "Oh, this this is the guy you got to look out for." And it just seems like he's just buried now, and and it's he's not really doing much to get out of the doghouse. I mean, I think he does do a lot of nice things. Um, uh, you know, I'm a little unfair. He's a good rebounder, a very good rebounder, especially for a guy who's 6'8". I think the thing with him is I feel like his star kind of got a little too bright and we were way ahead of ourselves. And it was really because of, of how he played. It was highlight reel stuff. I mean, he was dunking the ball. Um, you know, he was energy guy. He got a lot of rebounds. And these are the kinds of things we see on SportsCenter. And, you know, people were drawn to that. And I just – he really lacks a lot of actual basketball skill. It's like everything he does is ability. It's just the ability he has, the ability he came into, you know, this league with. And the dude's already 27, if we can believe that. I, when I looked him wow. up earlier and I saw he was 27, I thought he was 24 or 25. And it feels like he spends a lot of time being hurt as well. So I, I just don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously, but you look back to like uh, 2015, 2014, we could have probably traded this guy for something decent. And now I think that that door is kind of slammed shut. And, you know, they, they just, it's tough. And, and Emmanuel Moutier is terrible. 
I used to like this guy. I just, he, his decision-making is awful. He can't shoot. Um, it seems like he can't even get to the same spots that I saw him be able to get to last year. Last year, I thought he had a, a good time getting to his places, but he couldn't finish or he almost didn't know where to go next. And that's fine. That happens to young guys. But now it's like he's regressed from even being able to do that. And he's just kind of like, well, I'm going to score 15 by shooting the ball 150 times. And it's just one of those things. It's like everything he does is forced. It's horrible. I mean, it, it makes people beg for Jameer Nelson to come play. And, you know, Jameer's getting a little old. Jameer is getting a little old. And I'm like, I'm with you 100% on Moody. Last year, I really saw a lot of potential. Uh, I think the problem for him is you're seeing just how harmful it is in today's NBA not being able to shoot the jump shot, not being able to be respected even 20 feet out, let alone at the three-point line, because it, it really shrinks the floor, and, and they can just play you back. And even though Moutier's advantage is his size, and he can't use it because people don't respect, so they're not up on him. So he, you know, he can't really blow by them. He, he, can't, he can't use all, all of his advantages because he can't shoot a jump shot, basically is, is what I'm saying. So I definitely agree with you there. I also agree that two years ago you definitely could have got a first-round pick for Kenneth Reed, um, and I don't think anybody would have questioned it. I think people would have would have said, you know, that's that's the price, and I think you would have had ten teams lined up ready to pay it. And now I I don't. I think people would probably hang up the phone if if you asked for a first-round pick for Kenneth Reed. And it's unfortunate because I I really don't know. And I, you said ability. I would say the other thing for Reed was just effort. I really felt like he was, you know, he played so much harder than everybody else that I think that's where a lot of his success came from. And, I mean, I still see it when he's in the game. It's just uh, maybe, like you're saying, maybe he's just regressed to the point where people have the scouting report on him now. So, the, you know, the, the effort, the pure effort is just not enough anymore. And I feel like we're going to agree here or disagree here, especially because I kind of feel like this is maybe the deepest team in the league talent-wise. I feel like one through twelve, they, they all all these players. Because I'm I'm still a huge Gallo fan. I'm a big uh, Wilson Chandler fan in spurts. I do agree that he is a bit of a ball stopper, but I think he can kind of be that six man for you, and he kind of does that on this team as well. But I'm I'm taking it that you don't think this is the deepest team in the league talent wise. I mean, I do. I, I didn't draw that conclusion. Um, no, but when you're saying it, I you know I hear what you're saying, and I think that there is probably some merit to that because they do have a lot of guys that if they were the you know fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh best players on your team, you feel really safe with these guys because those are the type of guys you want to be there. I think it's really that top end, that one through three talent that I just don't think they have because I honestly I don't even really know if any of these guys outside of the big guys could be your third best player. I think the the uh, Jokic and, and maybe uh, Nurkic could even be the third best player on a really good team. But I just don't know, you know, that the talent is, is there anywhere else. And I do like, like I said, I do like the guards, the shooting guards. Uh, Barton, I'm, I'm a big fan of Barton. I think he's kind of like Kenneth Freed in the sense that he just brings energy. Uh, he's a good defender. But I, I just, to me, whenever you're starting without that, like, star or a superstar, or a guy who can go out and get you 25, because they don't really have a guy who can go out and get you 25 or even 22. I mean, Gallo's probably right. the closest to that. I don't know what he averages, probably somewhere around 16, 17 points a game. But I just, it's hard to build when you don't have like that centerpiece, or at least somebody who can look or appear to be a centerpiece. It's, it's hard. Right. And 
you know, I think they thought Moutier was going to be that. And it's like watching him, it's sometimes I, I really do look at it and be like, man, Jameer Nelson, there was a few times in both of those games I caught where I said Jameer Nelson gave them better minutes. And, you know, I've and always for, been a Jameer a fan while, from his Malone Orlando was, days. Yeah. But he's been for dead a while, for two Malone years. was playing Nelson over him. I mean, Nelson was, yeah, I mean, was playing 30 minutes corpse. a game. He's a corpse. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I hate to say it because Jameer Nelson is probably one of my favorite players. I watched him for so many years in Orlando. But he's, it's, it's over. I mean, he's, you know, but he's still out there, and he's putting up almost as many points per game as your 20-year-old guy who's supposed to be a building block, and it, it just doesn't bode well. And I think the fans at some point are getting sick of it. Some of those games, especially that Golden State game, and it's easy against Golden State to get worked up, but that fan base was not happy. The, the, so, the Twitter, you know, that's the thing I do is I don't know how often you do this, but I follow, like, the, the official Twitters when we're watching these games during the week, <laughs> and you just see how it blows up. Like, it's so bad, and the fans just want to, like, treat their team like Frankenstein with the pitchforks. And I felt like Denver was probably the worst one I viewed so far this season. Uh, you should follow the Nets, the Nets Twitter account at some point because they like to troll, troll us Nets fans. Like, they'll be down, like, 25. And they'll be like, oh, well, Brooke has three blocks, and he hasn't had three blocks since 2007. It's like, really? You're not going to talk about the fact that they're down 25 <laughs> points? You're just going to mention that Brooke Lopez has three blocks this game? Uh, it's, it's awful. Uh, so, so I, first, one thing I want to do before we end this Nuggets thing is I got to shout out my man Mike Miller, still getting those checks. Uh, yeah. But the, the other – and it, he only comes in for inbounds plays. They have, like – last like out of timeout inbound plays that he just like throws alley oops and it's it's just wonderful. He's just collecting checks like he's like a long snapper. Rocking that twenty two P E R I don't know if you felt this way, but the one thing I noticed about this Nuggets team is does Mike Malone know what a rotation is? Because this team is just so in flux and maybe like I'm saying, because they have so much talent and because like all these guys seem so interchangeable that maybe that's the reason, but it seems like one game, like, Fareed gets, like, a double-double, and you're like, oh, I guess Fareed earned some minutes. And then the next game he plays, like, eight minutes. And, like, Darrell Arthur is starting. And then, like, the next minute, Darrell Arthur is a DMP coach's decision. It's, like, nothing about this team's rotation makes sense to me. Yeah, it's like the Scott Skyle school of coaching or something. It's like one mistake, and he pulls, like, every starter. He's like, get in there, Brent. It's, like, it's a line change, you know. It's like we're watching <laughs> hockey. I. <laughs> and it, probably part of that is what you said earlier, which was there's a lot of depth, not necessarily a ton of great players, but there's a lot of players who, you know, might go out and get you 20 points in two quarters and you're like, Oh, I'm starting him tomorrow. And then he's oh of 10 in the first eight minutes. And you're like, Oh, get him out of here. You know? And it's, it's easy to kind of make those knee jerk reactions. I think when you can look at it and say, well, if Gary Harris is playing poorly, I'll put Barton in. Or if, you know, Jokic has right. a bad game, I'm going to put Nurkic in. I mean, it's really – I think it's easy to talk yourself into that, and especially when you're, like, the worst defensive team on the planet. Um, and we, we don't even need to get into that, but the Denver Nuggets defensive stats, if, if anybody wants to go look at them, they're terrible. Um, you know, they're down there with the bottom few in the league. So it, it's hard, and I, I do think coaching is tough, especially when you know you have guys who have talent and you know you can just make these switches and, and get some production in different places. It's hard to kind of stick to your guns. But I think that might ultimately be what has to happen. Maybe some moves, but he's going to have to stick to a rotation, uh, even if it's not working, because let's face it, this team's not fighting for a playoff chance, really. Right. Oh, absolutely. They're not, they're not fighting for any playoff chance whatsoever. 
so I guess the, the the elephant in the room question I had is who do you keep? So like who do you build around? Is there anybody on this team worth keeping? I think it's Jokic. Uh, personally, I just I, I like what I've seen out of him. I think he can be. Again, a, a, a Mark Gasol potentially, you know, if he can expand his offensive game, like get maybe a little bit of a better touch uh, as a jump shot, but he's got the vision. Um, he, he definitely has post moves, uh, and he can rebound the ball. So, I mean, you know, theoretically, if he's going to keep progressing, I, I think that's the guy you build around. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think another one is I, I do like Gary Harris. I think he's a pretty good shooter. Um, I, I liked him coming into the league. It's taken him a little bit longer, I think, but, you know, that's okay. And, you know, they do have options because, like I said, there's there's this thing with Denver where even if you are keeping your couple best players, you're probably still aiming for a better player or better players to fill it out. And you can keep guys like Gallo and Wilson Chandler because they bring, you know, some scoring uh, some depth, some know-how, the veteran leadership there. And, you know, I, I think things they can do. I almost feel like maybe a Fareed and Moutier, some sort of package, get somebody to take these guys off of your hands because um, I'm done with Moutier already. I, I just don't – I'm disappointed. <laughs> you are so – let, He let Nas so down. <laughs> yeah, he did let Nas down. Shout out to J. Cole. So we're going to move on from the Denver Nuggets, uh, a team that I found maybe a lot more interesting than my uh, – my, uh, my co-host here, Andy, he, he's not too satisfied with the Denver Nuggets. I was surprised. I thought they were pretty entertaining, even though they were bad. Uh, so we're going to move on to the trade. Obviously, this week, the big news was that a uh, sharpshooter from the from the Hawks, Kyle Korver, goes to the Cavaliers um, for basically nothing. You know, some dead money. Some Mo Williams uh, still gets to enjoy retirement, sort of. I don't know exactly what he's doing. Is he is he retired? Is he playing? Is he need more money? I don't, Mo Williams, figure it out. Uh, Mike Dunleavy's corpse uh, in, involved in the trade. Andy, what what was your first reaction when you, when you heard about this trade, and uh, what do you think about it overall? I was just laughing because when I first saw that it, it popped up that they they were doing it and the details weren't really released yet, and the funniest thing was the first thing I thought to myself is Atlanta's going to end up with Mike Dunleavy, and then it <laughs> happened, and Mo Williams, who I don't even think is ever going to actually play there, and then you know uh, the thirtieth pick in the NBA draft or something like that, so. I don't know. It's like the rich getting richer. Did Donald Trump have something to do with this? Is this what we call like draining the swamp? Like, I, I just don't know. I understand that the Hawks are trying to do something here, maybe blow it all up, but why the Cavs? You had to give the Cavs Kyle Korver. I mean, LeBron is just loving this, licking his chops. I mean, I'm sure he sees Mike Miller, <laughs> Mike Miller and J- Jones and all those guys he had around him over the years who were just shooters. I, you know, Korver's, 35 years old, not playing his best basketball, but I guarantee you he's going to be able to stand on the wing and knock down threes all day. And it's, you know, it's not even like a thing of he may be good. It's a thing of like when they work him into the rotation, he's going to be out there. He's probably going to have nights where he just like four of six from three, nothing else, just three point attempts. And that's the way LeBron likes it. I think that that's a a top notch move for Cleveland. Yeah, no, I I have no doubt in my mind that I'm going to say, What's the number I want to put it at? I don't want to be too absurd. Uh, I'm going to say 90%. 90% of Kyle Korver's field goal attempts are going to be three-pointers with, with the Cavaliers. Uh, that's the number I'm going with, and I don't think I'm too far off. So I have no, uh, there's really no doubt in my mind that that's what is going to be his job. The only thing – all right, so I have a few thoughts. I like it. I, I actually really like the trade. But can we stop acting like the Cavaliers discovered the last Dragon Ball? I mean, one, I still think that the Warriors are the overwhelming favorite to win the title. 
And also, I agree with GM LeBron. If he's not going to say it, I'm going to say it for him. This team needs a quality backup point guard. That is their need position. I don't think shooting has ever really been the Cavaliers' downfall. Especially in the playoffs, it seems like J.R. Smith is, is more valuable in the playoffs, and obviously he's out right now, so maybe it's more noticeable. Like when you have guys like, you know, uh, Liggins shooting, shooting threes instead of J.R. Smith, you're like, wow, this team really needs a shooting guard. But, yeah, I mean, when your starting shooting guard goes out for most of the season, yeah, it's, it's going to be noticeable that maybe you need a shooting guard. Um, and I'm not going to lie, as far as backup point guards go, I'm rooting for uh, Mario to talk down to me like I'm an infant Chalmers reunion. I, I really am. I want to see Chalmers, Chalmers back with LeBron. I want to see him get yelled at. I want to see him hit some clutch shots, you know, make a defensive breakdown, all that kind of thing. That, that, that's what I want to happen. You know, I was thinking with the LeBron comment of the backup point guard, I mean, he's absolutely correct. Do I think they're going to get somebody? I, I don't know. But I do think now what they've done with Corver is they've opened up that possibility that we have – it already happens, but we have some spurts. I think they should have some spurts where they actually try LeBron at the point guard because, you you know, when J.R. Smith is back, obviously, because they have Shumper and now they have Corver and – I mean, they like to play Kyrie and LeBron together, obviously, but there are points where they're not. And there's no reason to me LeBron can't just be your point guard. I think, uh, you know, at this point, doing the full James Harden thing is probably a little out of the window, maybe five years ago. But there's there's opportunity for that to happen, just because I don't really see a quality point guard that they're going to bring in right now. I could be wrong. I mean, they seem to get things done when LeBron's around, but call me crazy. Yeah, the other thing that concer- that slightly concerns me with the Corver thing, not really overwhelmingly concerns me because Corver, I mean, shooters know how to shoot. But if you think about Corver throughout his career, he's a guy that comes off of a lot of screens. And I guess Ray Allen was the same way, and he sort of learned to be a, a spot-up shooter instead, um, even though they did run screens for Ray Allen as well in Miami. But, you know, a lot of times Ray Allen was just sitting in the corner uh, uh, shooting threes. And I have no doubt that Corver can do that because, uh, like I said, he his shooting form is like what you teach – you know, little kids to do. So he's going to be fine. But I think there's going to be an adjustment period of Kyle Korver not coming off of screen shooting threes, but instead kind of being more of a spot-up shooter, which is kind of a completely different discipline than, than say, you know, coming off of a screen and, and and shooting a three. And that's what they'll need him to do, and, I mean, that's why these guys are pros. Um, I do agree with you. Kyle Korver is at his absolute best. It's uh, He and J.J. Uh, J. Redick are both great at coming off those screens. They turn. The body is so set. That's the thing is a lot of shooters, I think the problem they have coming off three, especially or screens, especially with the three ball, is it's very hard to get your body set, especially when you have NBA players who are fast and agile chasing you. And, you know, Korver does it so well that I think it also becomes part of your – shooting mechanics your muscle memory so you're right there right but at the end of the day a shooter that good has to be able to take the easier one which is spotting up and you know there's guys like jr smith jr smith can't shoot a wide open jump shot he has to dribble twice first i I know he's gotten better (laughs) at it but over the years there was always the thing if he put if he shoots the ball when it gets fast to him it ain't going in but when he takes a a couple of unnecessary dribbles step back fade away buckets all day kobe (laughs) absolutely so if we think that Kyle Korver is the missing piece for the Cavs, let's just make that caveat. Let's just say we do. Give me another team and another player that you think would be the perfect piece for that team. So I have to, like, make a decision now because I have, like, three of them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the one, I'm, the one I'm landing on, and it's kind of because it would be bringing a player into the fold who's already played with another player, 
it's also one I feel is relevant because people have been talking about this name. I would love to see the Boston Celtics be able to get Paul Millsap. I feel like oh. his defense, his ability to not only guard the four, but to guard the three, he can shoot the ball. I feel like Boston's starting to roll a little bit now. We saw them kind of struggle for a bit there. There was, you know, you and I were both pretty high in Boston. There was that point where they weren't doing so well. I think they're eight and two in their last 10 at this point. I think a guy like Paul Millsap, because let's face it, the power forward for Boston to me is their biggest question. Anyways, you have like uh, guys like Amir Johnson in there and stuff like that. So I think, and you get him and it's not too much of an adjustment because he and Horford played together, obviously recently. So I do like that. And I think that would really maybe not make them beat the Cavs, but I think that that without a question puts them above the Raptors. And I do like a Millsap in the mix with Crowder when they, you know, are preparing to face the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, because that's probably the goal. I think Millsap gives you some of those stints where he can guard LeBron a little bit. Not fully, kind of like how Draymond Green was kind of able to guard LeBron a little bit. There's the help defense behind you, uh, what Bogut used to give Green, the thing we saw missing last year in the Finals. And I think, uh, you know, Millsap gets that with Horford behind him. So it's, you know, just one of those things. And I think you do. Every team in the East has got to be preparing to play the Cavs. And I think a move like Paul Millsap really – you know, brings them up a level. Absolutely agree. I, I like Paul Millsap wherever he goes. Um, I think Paul Millsap is going to be, if he gets moved at the deadline, whatever team gets him, uh, whether it's the Celtics or I actually like him with the Raptors as well, which has been sort of a circulating rumor. Uh, I think Millsap will be maybe the X factor of the the entire championship run. Um, because I think, honestly, with with Paul Millsap, I think, I don't like you said, I don't think they'll beat the Cavs. But I think you you got to give the Raptors, if they have, let's just say they have like a 25% chance of, of beating the Cavaliers right now, I would say you'd bump that up to 40% for me um, with Paul Millsap on the team. But depending on what they give up, obviously. But just like the Celtics, I mean, I think the biggest question mark for the Raptors is is power forward. So And that's obviously filling a need. I actually went out west. And this is sort of, this would improve them a lot this year. And I think even going into the future, I think it would give them an amazing opportunity to really build something, uh, so, something that'll that'll last. Um, the the Portland Trailblazers are my team, and I actually have two names, but I'm going to go with Brooke Lopez. I think Brooke Lopez on the Trailblazers. I think one people forget how young Brooke Lopez is, and two I think they don't give him the respect defensively that that he really deserves because he he has turned into a decent rim protector, better than what they have now, for one. Um, and I really think that you bring – the other name I had was Nerland's Noel, which is a, a rumor that, that a lot of people have said Nerland's Noel going to the Blazers. But I think Brooke Lopez gives them the three-point threat. I think it really matches with the style of play that the Blazers, that, that the Blazers come with. And I think it would open up a lot of opportunities for those guards. And in turn, it would open up Brooke – would have a lot of opportunities for easy layups, easy shots, and vice versa. And I really don't see the downside. And, again, you would have all these three, you know, Dame, CJ, and Brooke, because Brooke is on a very decent-sized contract uh, at a very decent price because it was signed before the new CBA. And I, I think that you would have a, a core that you can build through for the next five to ten years. I would have never even thought about that, honestly. Yeah. You like it? I like I like it. I, I do. I mean, I, you know, and the, the best thing with that kind of move is 
Obviously, it seems like the Brooklyn Nets need a complete reset. I don't think you probably really disagree much with that. Um, nope. I and don't, maybe it's time, it's time for Brook Lopez. I know you probably won't like it. I know you are a Brook fan. But it, it might just be time for him to go. I mean, they're dead last. Um, and if you're thinking in terms of the Trailblazers, it's almost like what do they have to lose at this point? I mean, they're like five or six games below, uh, you know, below 500 or something now. And it's just like – it's kind of falling out a little bit, I think. You know, we saw them go to that, that high-powered offense thing, the shooting thing last year, and we kind of said, oh, they're trying to copy Golden State a little bit, and now it's just everything's <laughs> melted away here. And, you know, to get a big name like that, and it is nice to have a guy when your shooting isn't working because they do have, you know, uh, McCollum and, and Lillard who like to shoot the ball. I always say with teams who like to shoot, it's nice to have a guy, even if you're not a team that wants to work out of the post primarily, it's nice to be able to rely on a guy you can just dump the ball down to, even for a few possessions to just, you know, get a rest, get your legs back. And Brooks obviously perfect for that. So yeah, I do like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. The other thing really quick is, is I think that Portland has enough young pieces where they can make it work without like depleting either side. So I think like Alan Crabbe and Mo Harkless could be like the key of the deal in a first round pick, something like that. Uh, so we're going to move on to the end of our show. Like Jay-Z once said, we don't believe you need more people. Andy, who needed more people this week in the NBA? Oh, man, that's the Atlanta Hawks. I, I, don't, I just don't know what's going on. They've kind of been on a little bit of a roll lately, and now there's the, the Millsap rumors have actually been around longer than the, the Corver being traded thing. But first that, <laughs> the Corver being traded thing, and now it's like, you know, what, what do they do? Do they have to get rid of Dwight Howard now too? Because if they're going to blow it up, I mean, you're not. why would you keep Dwight Howard? So. I just don't understand. I think yeah. they need more people. I think they're going to, you know, cause old Mike Budenhuser to get a little liquored up and drive his car. I hope not. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go with JaVale McGee because of his hairstyle. And that's it. That is the end of our show. Uh, join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Follow us on Twitter at NLP podcast. Everybody have a good night. Thank you. <laughs>